This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to unit management plans in the Adirondacks, tracts of land that are supposed to be under the watchful eye of state environmental regulators. But in practice, nearly 800,000 acres have been overlooked, according to my next guest, Adirondack Explorer policy reporter Gwendolyn Craig. Welcome back to the show, Gwen. Thanks for having me. So what exactly is a unit management plan supposed to consist of, and why do they matter? So unit management plans are these pretty hefty documents for specific areas in the Adirondack Park. The Catskill Park also has them. We focus on the Adirondack Park. They are DC's sort of prescriptions for projects that should be done in an area. Um, They include inventories of fish and wildlife, of the geology of an area. So they're the very intense research reports of the natural resources. And then there are also management activities they'd like to accomplish there. So that could be trail work, it could be new parking lot, like there's new campsites, there's just like a whole different recipe of things that could be in these plans. When we think of an area for a plan, how specific are we talking about here? Is this just a, a couple of square miles, or is this the case where a, a management plan can be vast and cover large stretches, say, of the Adirondack Forest Preserve? These vary widely in size. So you have ones that are as small as Mount Van Hovenberg, which is, I, I don't have the exact acreage off the top of my head, but on the map, it's a very tiny piece of mm-hmm. the Adirondack Park. And then you have extremely large swaths of land, so like Lake George Wild Forest, which is over 72,000 acres. So you're talking about um, really large swaths of land, really small. There's over 50 of these units within the Adirondack Park. We're focused mostly in this case on wild forest units and wilderness units, and those are specific designations and what makes them different. Wild forest, you can have some motorized use, Mm -hmm. So that means snowmobiles, you can have some roads. Uh, Wilderness, you don't have any motorized use. There's no biking in wilderness areas either. That's pretty much the most protective of natural resources. And are unit management plans a recent regulatory burden placed onto state officials, or is this something that's been on the books for decades now in terms of a responsibility? Yeah, this is partially why we we looked at this at this time, as we are celebrating this year the 50th anniversary of the Adirondack Park Agency. And the Adirondack Park Agency Act, which created this state agency, which oversees long-range planning for the Adirondack Park, includes the charge to develop these unit management plans. And so APA is actually supposed to have DEC, which is the State Department of Environmental Conservation, develop these plans, and they decide whether or not they're consistent with their rules and regulations, which kind of gets wonky. So this charge has been essentially 50 years old. You know, in 1999, we had former Governor George Pataki, who was very invested in the Adirondacks, purchased a lot of land in the Adirondacks, did a lot of conservation easements. He was sort of tired of the fact that many of these hadn't been done and came up with this charge of let's get them all done in five years. So we looked back at how that went and found that there's over 782,000 acres of a 
approximately 3 million in forest preserve that are without these management plans. Um, we spoke with John Cahill, who was, was Pataki's DC commissioner. He said, yeah, we really thought it was possible at the time, but now that he's looking back at the process for the few that they were able to accomplish in those five years, he, he says it, it was very difficult and kind of an ambitious goal. Well, what are the challenges to actually crafting a unit management plan? I know you said there can be lengthy, hundreds of pages in some cases. Is it just about taking the time and resources to actually do the work, or are there other obstacles to crafting a unit management plan? Well, the Adirondack Park is a very interesting mix of voices. So you have people who are very focused on preservation of open space, and you have people who are living here full-time, trying to find more development opportunities, which can be very difficult when with forest preserve and the mix. Forest preserve is, you know, constitutionally protected lands. They can't be sold. They can't be leased. There's, there's lots of restrictions on, on what can and cannot be done, and that can be difficult for local governments. And so these plans were sort of a way to promise to local governments projects that the state would do. And the idea was, you know, you'd attract more people if there was a hiking trail up this mountain that we just purchased, or we could do snowmobile trails, and that would bring more people in the winter. So there's sort of this feeling, I think, that this is almost a impossible process to get these all done. And I think some of the restrictions in the past were obviously, like our technology has developed better, we can use GIS and things like that for the mapping side of these these plans. And I think in that sense, there's a lot that's come a long way and we have made some progress or the state has made some progress. But then we also had these interesting policy questions happening at the same time. The DEC had a, a settlement regarding people with disabilities and providing access to Forest Preserve that was going on in the 90s, and they're still trying to figure out how to accommodate getting access for people with disabilities. There's been some staffing questions. Plenty of people have told me they just think DEC does need more staff to accomplish these, not only write the plans, but accomplish them. So there's plenty of plans that have been done but projects that still are hanging out in the balance and we're waiting we're waiting to see them finished. There's a lot of different things happening that seem to be preventing the DEC and the APA from finishing this task. Well, can you elaborate on what you just mentioned there where you have areas with a unit management plan, but they're, what, not enforced or not actually administered? What's sort of the gap between having a plan and, I guess, implementing it? These plans go through a very lengthy process before they're adopted. They go out for public comment. They'll get looked at by the APA, and they have to be approved by the APA. And um, sometimes after going out for public comment, they'll go out again for public comment after the DEC puts in whatever feedback they get. So they go through a very lengthy process. Then at that point, though, whatever project is listed and the commissioner signs off on the UMP, those projects are in play, but it's unclear how the DEC decides what projects to tackle when. And we're getting a little more insight on that through this new Forest Preserve work plan policy that was just released, where the DEC is now posting projects on their environmental notice bulletin online. So we can see what projects are coming down the pike, and those plans 
have been approved in these unit management plans. But we're still not sure why some of these things, like, I mean, we look at the High Peaks unit management plan. There was a whole parking lot planned at South Meadows Road that never was put in, and that plan was adopted in 1999. And we hear a lot about the different management concerns with an increase in visitors to that region. But then several people think that that's really not the place to put a parking lot anymore. So there's gonna prob- we're probably going to see some revisions of these plans at some point. But with a number that are still outstanding, it's not clear when the DEC would revisit some of those and, and see what projects are, are still worth doing at this point. Well, going back then to the areas without a unit management plan, what are the practical ramifications of not having these plans? How does it impact day-to-day life for people who might live in these areas or visitors to these areas? Can you give some examples of what not having a UMP might mean? Going back to um, some of the local government's perspective, um, it's a real hard sell for the state sometimes to say we want to put more land in forest preserve because that takes the land out of a development possibility for local governments. So when they come on board with a unit management plan, there might be something in there for them like a hiking trail or snowmobile trails, things that are going to attract more people and, and hopefully bring in some more revenue to their municipality. And so some of these places are purchased decades ago and they're still waiting for these projects to happen. So the caveat here is this unit management plan process has sort of become a carrot and a stick is how one former APA staffer who worked on these said. It's like, we'll adopt this plan and and pass it if you give us this. And the problem with that too, some environmentalists are saying, is that natural resource protection projects then sort of get sidelined in favor of development projects. So, for example, um, there's been no carrying capacity studies of water bodies in the Adirondacks, and, and that's basically looking at how many motorized boats a lake can withstand before there's negative impacts to that water body. And the DC and APA have sort of ignored or, or just sort of not had the staff or manpower to do the do that kind of a study. There's probably some political pressures about what those studies could mean if there were to be limits on motorized vessels use on lakes in the Adirondacks. So those things are outstanding. Um, but a place like Lake George is where we focused in this article. Um, you have trails, like there's a very popular trail, Prospect Mountain, right in the village of Lake George. That is very eroded. People have created their own herd path off the trail in order to avoid, you know, bre- breaking an ankle going up the original. And um, the DEC said, you know, we can't really reroute that trail unless we have a unit management plan. So there's no trail up Rogers Rock, which is another popular hike. There's no marked trail, so people are sort of going up on their own, and and it's it's an intuitive place to hike, but um, the the risk is when people are taking you know routes who may not be more experienced hikers, you know the you don't know what the consequences could be. So there there there's plenty of projects that people would like to see done, but can't be done until there's a plan. Well, finally, in the course of reporting this and talking to 
officials at the Adirondack Park Agency as well as the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. Did you get any indication that they are changing business as usual when it comes to their approach to either crafting new unit management plans or updating unit management plans? Or did you get the impression that uh, it seems to be business as usual and there is no major shakeup planned like there was with Governor Pataki at least trying to accelerate and finish this project back in uh, the turn of the century? Uh, I do think we are going to see more unit management plan work happening soon. We already are starting to see a little bit. The APA and the DC really had to grapple with this kind of wonky policy question on road mileage and wild forest. So several of our um, units in the park missing plans were wild forest areas. And that's because there's this very sort of ambiguous line in APA law that limits wild forest road use. And so the APA and DC actually grappled with that finally, and that was another 50-year um, question that had been hanging in the in the balance, and they just tackled that this year. The part of it that was difficult for them to decide was whether to include roads that are only open to people who have disabilities. So people with disabilities are able to apply for permits to access some roads that other people can't, so they can enjoy a wilderness experience. Do you include those roads in that mileage was, was the, a question. And environmentalists had argued, yes, you do, because a road is a road, and the impact of a road on the environment is the same whether or not a lot of people are on it or not as many. Divvying up a piece of land does has an impact. But then you had other people arguing that, no, that it's not going to see as much use, so it's it shouldn't be counted. And... Um, they agreed to count some of those miles, and so they did make this determination, and they did create a cap. So we have some, the state has some road mileage to work with. Now that that question has been answered, I think they will see some more wild forest unit management plans coming forward. As far as the amount of work I think there's still the sentiment that there's not enough staff to do this work. All these staff are from Division of Lands and Forests in DEC really working on this. And they're tackling so many other projects at the same time. And so the call has really been um, to the commissioner and to the governor to, to increase staff, really put people on this planning effort and um, put more people on implementing the plans. Well, we've been speaking with Gwendolyn Craig. She is a policy reporter for the Adirondack Explorer. Gwen, thanks so much for visiting us in the studio. Thanks for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.